Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane, I'm a mother of three, living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Have you ever felt like your habits are more like a ball and chain? Do they restrict you, keep you confined, or keep you from growing in the ways you really need to? If so, it's time to recognize that you may need a different approach. Here to discuss flexible goal setting is host of the About Progress podcast, Monica Packer. On this episode, you'll hear how Monica overcame a perfectionist mindset through flexibility and consistency, realizing that the two don't compete with one another, rather they make each other possible. Monica's approach to successful habit formation has allowed her to continually pursue goals while adapting to the various seasons of life. Habits can be successful by doing your best most of the time over time. I'm looking forward to you hearing this one, but before we get there, I'm going to share a quick minimalist moment with you all. This has to do with overpacking and how we pack for trips. I recently had an unexpected 30-hour getaway. And what did I pack? I carried one backpack that I was able to carry on the plane. Granted, I was away for 30 hours, but this is where the encouragement comes in. I considered what I'd actually need versus what I was nervous about not having. I rolled my clothes and I remembered that I didn't need to pack three books like I have in the past because I likely wouldn't be reading much anyways. I think so often we find ourselves in this mindset of scarcity. What if I don't have enough? But as we're honest with ourselves and we look back at our track record, we can see that we live by the just in case mindset. I had everything I needed for my 30 hour getaway. And if worse came to worse, I would have figured it out. I would have managed. I tell you this not to shame you for carrying more than a backpack, but to consider why you feel the need to overpack. Is there better planning you can put into place? Could you have a running list in your notes app of your phone of things you actually need while away? It may take some trial and error, but I do think we can get ourselves to the place where we make it easier on ourselves before, during, and after traveling. What do you think? Monica, thanks so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm so excited to be doing this. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to connect and I really have enjoyed listening to your podcast as of recently. So first and foremost, I want to direct people over to you, but who am I talking to today? I'm talking to (laughs) Monica Packer and I want you to go ahead, introduce yourself to the listeners a little bit more and we'll start our conversation. Well, thanks for already connecting them to my podcast. It's called About Progress and The reason it's called that is because it's part of this bigger life experiment I started seven years ago, literally almost at this exact time of trying to figure out who I was outside of perfectionism, how I could change and grow. And it became a part of just this bigger path to uncovering who I was and bettering myself outside of the all or nothing model I had been on my entire life. In the last seven years, I've grown exponentially more than I ever did before in the perfectionism model. And that translates to a lot of areas of my life. But the most important area for me is just as a wife and mom, I'm a mom of of four kids. My fifth's on the way. I'm eight months pregnant right now. And life is, is really intense and chaotic. And I feel like I can show up to it in ways I never was able to before when I was lost 
you know, in my own life. So that's me in a nutshell. What did you do before this? What was your main, did you have a nine to five or were you a stay at home mom? So I was a middle school teacher for English and history. Then when I had my first, I mostly stayed home, but I taught piano and did like, I mentored student teachers for a few years, but yeah, I was primarily a a, a stay at home mom. And it's been that way the last seven years too. Podcasting has been a great, a great part-time job for me. Yeah, absolutely. I love the name about progress because it really is progress, not perfection. And so I really resonate with that message. Oh, good. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think I would have thought that was like taking, (laughs) taking the easy, lazy way out on life, but I definitely learned that there's a spectrum to perfectionism and no matter where you are on it, it is all consuming and it creates this false sense of security and confidence and control and it doesn't work and it doesn't help you in the long run. And, And in fact, comes at a really high cost. Yeah. I just think the mental, gosh, I wouldn't say anguish. That's an intense word, but the mental space trying to be a perfectionist has taken up in my life. It's just, it's wasted time. It's wasted. Yes. And so I like to strive for the best that I can be. Yeah. I don't feel like that's a bad thing. No. And and in fact, that's actually the whole purpose of, of my work. You know, the opposite of perfectionism is not trying that's still actually perfectionism. Most perfectionists are those who are on the sidelines of their own lives who are staying stuck in this place of doing nothing all out of fear of failure of not reaching that perfect outcome. So the opposite of perfection and perfectionism is, is not apathy. It's not checking out. It's, it's doing things in a different and honestly way better (laughs) science backed way to actually get closer to where you want to be and, and, and more importantly, who you want to be. I wanted to have you on because I think this is a great message as we're into 2023 and you talked a lot Mm -hmm. about flexible habit formation. So how do you want to start this conversation? I would just love to have a dialogue with you about how we can set up good habits that work flexibly for our lives, but wherever you want to take it to start, I'm open to. So I think I would just start with this idea of you get to this place of self-blame because you're no longer experiencing that high drive of energy that you likely did at the beginning of the year. This like super high energy of like, I'm going to change. This is my vision. This is what I'm going to work on and that excitement. But then life sets in and real life happens either sooner or later, you are not going to have that same amount of energy. But instead of blaming what needs to be blamed, which we can talk about in a moment, you blame yourself. You think, gosh, I'm just broken. Or you go to the other extreme. You're like, okay, pure grit. Let's make this happen. I'm going to go right to all the extremes. I'm going to do this work. I'm not going to die on this low energy train. But then again, you're going to hit a roadblock (laughs) where real life happens again. And it becomes this perpetual cycle of being set up to fail but blaming yourself instead of the methods you've been following. And I know that every woman listening has really good intentions. They just want to show up better for themselves and for their families, for their communities, but they're missing that they have been set up to fail with the methods we've been taught about what it looks like to grow. All those methods can be summed up in just one model and it's the all or nothing model. And habit formation is part of that. I will just say, if you think you're not a habit person, neither did I. This has only been like the last few years of a development for me that I can now confidently say I'm a habit person, but it's not in the way I was taught to form habits before. 
it's in such a different way that not only is it kind of like mind-blowing when women learn more about what this can look like for us, but it's also life-changing. And that's what I'm here for. I want women to actually form habits that support them, that help them show up better for themselves and their families, but to do this in a different way where not only are they creating habits that actually are realistic and stick for their real lives, but also change the way they view themselves and their own capacity to support themselves, to change, to make progress. And I think when people say, I'm not a habit person, we all have habits. We all follow through Uh with our habits that are just innate and habitual. So I don't necessarily agree with that. I guess what people are saying when they say, I'm not a habit person is, I don't know how to effectively change my habits. Oh, absolutely. I'm curious with your habits, what were ones that you wanted to change? I just like examples from people's real lives to see what made you remember that you were capable go back seven years. I talked about how there was like this kind of fork in the road for me where I realized, okay, I'm lost. I feel stuck in my own life. I'm not showing up to the life I've always wanted. I felt depleted. I felt resentful. I was angry. And yet I didn't want my life to look necessarily different. I didn't need to go back to a career necessarily or to school, although those could have been on the table. I didn't need a different husband or different kids or even a different house, although that would have been really helpful with where we were at in our lives then. For me, it was more I needed my life to feel different. It started more internally for me about figuring out who I was, but I got to this plateau pretty quick, Diane, where I realized okay, I know better who I am. I know what I want. I know better what I need. I know better what fulfillment looks like for me and how to prioritize that and self-care. But at the same time, my life isn't supporting this developing identity anymore. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. One of the biggest habits that was missing in my life and had been for most of my life up to that point was solid sleep habits. I definitely was like a night owl through and through. Like I just came alive at night. It was my time, but it was also my time to be weirdly productive or also really anxious. And I had this one funny moment now, it seems funny, but we had our pictures taken when I was like 20 weeks pregnant for our family photos for the coming holiday season. And then the next year, my same friend, who's this amazing photographer, took our pictures again. And I had put the same amount of time and getting ready for both of those pictures. But the contrast between the two was startling. (laughs) I have like literal proof in front of me, like your lack of sleep is really doing terrible things for you and your health because I looked like a completely different person. And I had a five month old, but he was sleeping pretty well. It was me. And having that kind of vanity check almost spurred me into actually taking this seriously. This isn't working for you. So what started though, Diane, is like I went down the track of learning how to form habits. And there's all these great New York Times bestsellers out there. And I think we could name them all at the time that were especially new that I read and like, I loved them. I dog-eared them to death. I highlighted them. I implemented them to the T, like what the prescriptions were. But then I kept failing still. I wasn't getting better. I wasn't changing. First, you know, I wanted to blame myself in this process that during the same time, I was actually beginning to coach women on the same kind of things I had been working on for years at that point already, identity, fulfillment. And they came to the same plateaus where they needed habits that supported that identity, that supported knowing who they were and gave them that time and energy to have the habits they needed to be those people. And so we did the same thing with them. Like we installed, we're working on habit formation using the most up-to-date methods, but they were failing too. And having those case studies in front of me basically helped me see this isn't me and it's not them. It's the methods. 
And so it took me a couple of years, but this is where I really dug into figuring out why is it that formation methods don't work for us. And the nutshell version of this is it's the same for all women. This is for women who have children in the home or don't. This is for women who work outside the home or primarily work for childcare within their homes and are the primary caretakers. It's true across the board that women must do habits differently. And it's not because we're weak. It's because we're not robots. And the habit formation methods we've been given are designed for people who don't have reactive lives who have a certain level of predictability and rigidity to their lives that they can go with this all or nothing model with habit formation. And it doesn't work for us, but there is a way. And that's what I worked really hard to discover. And it works. What was the first thing that you implemented outside of sleep? Because it's funny you say that. You and I chatted just for a minute before we got on the call. And we're both finding ourselves in the season of unexpected busy or maybe just yeah. overwhelming busy that we hadn't necessarily predicted. Last night, I am running on several nights of little sleep. And last mm. night, I really wanted to read my book. I'm just, oh, finally, you're done with your photos. You're caught up with the podcast. You can read. You can watch something. You can do whatever you yeah. want. And then I remembered sleep is actually what you need. You actually need yeah. to sleep. You need to get yourself back to a good place with that. And you have a season now ahead of you that you can do more things. But I had to tell myself that. I had to bring it to the forefront of my mind and tell myself, remind myself what you need to sleep. That is what's best for you. That'll make you more creative. That'll make you for vanity's sake. As you said, I'm like, oh, these wrinkles are not going away. So how can I decrease them in the best way probably possible is probably <laughs> sleep. I mean, cortisol is raised when you're not getting enough sleep and yeah. that contributes to health. I think so many of us going into a new year, we're like, I want the diet, the exercise. And that is a factor of health. Absolutely. However, people discredit the cortisol and the sleep and the mental health component that you need all of that to be in line before you can do the other things effectively. So I'll tell you what other habit I worked on, sure. but let's start though by just what you talked about right there. This is actually where I begin with women on habit formation. I don't go right to prescriptions and how to's, although those definitely come. We start with redefining what habits are. And what habits are, are the small and supportive ways we support ourselves. We take care of ourselves. Habits are not about metrics that we need to meet in order to prove that we fit the standard of whatever role it is we want to hit. We all have in mind what it means to be an exerciser or a journaler or a meditator. We have this metric. Oh, that means you are exercising this amount and at this intensity and this many times a day. And you can apply the same thing to any other habit. Instead, we need to reframe what habits are. And I said several times, the key word here is supportive. That's it. And that alone, that shift will create this built-in flexibility to how we not only view habits, but how we form them because we now see they're for us. They're not for us to meet a prescription or a standard. They're there to help us be who we want to be. So with that being said, another habit I really began this work through was journaling. I still don't love journaling, to be honest. It feels vulnerable, weirdly, to be writing my feelings on a page. It takes a lot of weird energy for me personally, but I love what it does for me. So I don't love the actual process, but I love the result of it. And I had been a really consistent, adamant journaler through most of my college years. 
But that ended shortly after I got married. I got married fairly young, right after college. And it ended because in my mind, journaling had to look a certain way. And because I was so overwhelmed with wanting to record our wedding and document every minute of that day, I kept putting it off. But then that turned into a couple of years of, well, I want to share about like how my new teaching is going. I need to really be able to write eloquently or at least fully or at the certain amount of pages a day. And I just kept avoiding it because I couldn't meet that old standard anymore. But then I really did get to that point alongside sleep where I realized being able to download a few thoughts a night will help me actually sleep better (laughs) and will also help me document the things that matter most to me. And so I'll share how I did that alongside other things women can be doing to do habits differently. Would that be helpful? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to get listeners to a point where they can see how it fit in someone else's life in a detailed way so that they can apply it to their own circumstances. I think when people are really broad with what they're talking about, it's not as helpful. So I like specifics. You should definitely do that. Okay. So let's talk about where we started. We started with reframing what habits are and what they're for. Now, how do we actually form them? I could talk for hours about this. This is like the bird's eye nutshell version of what I have to teach about habit formation. So let's say you've started with that reframe. Habits are there to support me. Now let's help you decide which one you're going to start with, okay? So what's that habit that if you had it, it would act as a keystone habit for you? This one habit could help all your other habits go a little bit better or be a little bit easier. For me, it was sleep, but journaling is the example we're going to go with here too. Now what you do is you come up with an ideal version of what this habit looks like. So ideally, journaling for me would be sitting down at night and writing a page or two a night. It still doesn't sound super time intensive, but if you don't have a habit like this already installed, it does require energy. And that energy is very dependent on the circumstances of how your day has gone, especially if you have a more reactive centered life right now or season of life or very busy life, right? So the problem we make with this is we have the ideal and then we say, okay, so we start, like I start tomorrow and you write two pages in your journal and you do that for a night or two or three or even a month or so. But again, real life will hit and then you'll have a day where you don't have the energy to write that page or two. And so you don't do it. And then maybe that will turn into another day and then another day and another day. And then you've fallen off the wagon. So instead of starting with the ideal, what we need is a version of this habit that I call the baseline version that you can do on your worst of day. And when I say worst of day, I'm not talking about the literal actual worst day of your life. That's different. I'm talking more about the time where your energy is low, where you don't have much to give. Maybe you were sick that day. Maybe you started a period. Maybe your family schedules change because it's sports season now and it's just crazy and you're going all over the place. So we need a baseline version of that. And this is the smallest and simplest version of your ideal that you can do when your energy is at its lowest. And I'm talking about mental and physical energy. So for me with journaling, this is how I got back into it. Instead of telling myself I had to write my page, even though that seemed simple enough, right? That seems simple enough. Well, I broke that down even further. What was the smallest and simplest version of that? And for me, it was writing one line in my journal. And to take that even further, that line did not even have to be a complete sentence. It didn't have to be eloquent or pretty or something that my posterity would like to read one day. It could be as simple as one of my days this past fall where I had my energy was low. It was the day the queen died and I love British monarchy. I just love all that stuff. So I was really tired though, but instead of writing all about it, I just wrote the queen died today. 
That's it. But having that baseline was not a cop-out. Mm-hmm. It was actually the very way I was able to have a consistent habit to build off from. And having that baseline version is what turned me back into a journaler. I have a lot more we can talk about with the baselines and why they matter and how they work, but that's where we can begin with these women. Reframe the habit, what they actually need to be for, which is you. Decide on one, cast a vision of the ideal, but start with a baseline. And that baseline is always something you can come back to. And the best part about it though, is that your baselines change over time. I still have that very low baseline in my mind on the very worst of days, but now most of the time my baseline is a paragraph. So your baselines rise, they get higher too, just like your ideals get higher as well. I like this because yes, with kids, they might get sick or whatever it is that we're doing in our life. Things obviously come up. And that's why I like Atomic Habits by James Clear, because it's what can we build on that is so simple that we can get that consistency and the momentum in that we can maintain it through, like you said, your worst day. And even if we're able to just write the queen died, we're writing one sentence. It's like, wait, I told my brain that I did this today. Yes. And that's where it goes back to that identity piece to it. Not only did me working on my sleep and my journaling and then other habits habits eventually helped me feel more supported in my life. It actually changed the way I viewed myself. I became a habit person and I'm a habit expert now. I talk about a lot. That's not what my podcast is only about. We mostly talk about other things, habit formation comes along for the ride, but I can honestly say I'm a habit person. But if you saw my life, you would see that I mostly focus on the bookends of my day personally for my own habits, the morning and the night. And even then they're not like super regimented where every day looks the exact same, but yet I still have those same supportive habits. They're just designed to be flexible based off of what my best looks like that day. And that flexibility is what makes the consistency possible for me to have those habits in ways that are in fact supportive. Just quickly, when you were trying to build that habit of sleep, what did it look like for you? Did you have to mentally talk yourself into it just like I did last night? Yeah. I mean, sometimes I still do because there is this inner night owl tendency to me that will always be there. Just that resistance to being responsible and getting to bed when it just seems so much nicer to have some time to myself or to get something done. Right. So yeah, there of course are tendencies that like I do have to talk myself through, but Mm -hmm. this was more of a bigger picture habit. And most of us have at least one of those where we know this is a really important habit I need to work on, but it's a bigger picture one because there are a lot of factors contributing to that quote unquote bad habit. Bad habits are a lot more layered than we initially give them credit for. We just think, oh, if I just like decide something, I can fix this or that's my fault or I'm just lazy or I don't prioritize myself when really like there are a lot more deeper layers for me. And for me with the sleep, it actually began with looking at the bigger picture of why is this a bad habit for me? Because it was a bad habit. It wasn't like I was just like, let's install a good habit. That's a mistake we often make. We decide, okay, what's a habit I want to work on? And what we're really doing is sneakily working on a bad habit via a good habit. And before you do that, I would advise you to learn how to create supportive habits outside of that bad habit, just so you can learn what it looks like to form habits. And you also gain the confidence you need to have the identity of a habit person. So then you can work on those bigger picture bad habits in your life. So for me, it kind of was like a chicken and the egg thing. I started working on other areas of my life that were contributing to the layers of that bad habit, which for me were identity, which was a big one. You're like, whoa, you work on identity, work on that bad habit. Yeah. That was a big part of the puzzle for me alongside that anxiety and just things going on within the circumstances of my family. My husband was never home. I had three small kids at the time. Two of them 
had undiagnosed special needs, which we now know. So it was kind of actually looking at bigger pieces of the puzzle of where I was lacking self-care during the day and support and a voice to express what I wanted and needed. Also having some systems in place to help me better manage what was going on in that day, as well as getting therapy. If you have a big picture, bad habit like that, don't lose faith. If I can work on that habit, I'm telling you, like this has been a problem my entire life. If I can tell you that that is significantly better in my life, significantly, like night and day, you can do it too. Let's shelve what the really multi-layered bad habits are. And let's start with forming other supportive habits outside of them to get the knowledge and the confidence we need to then translate those same skills to the deeper bad habits. Well, I think that all this is very helpful. And again, I think if you can get through the first hump of the year, it's so much easier. I know they say what it takes. Some people say 30 days to create a habit. Other people say 90. I don't really know. I think if we can get over this momentum with a boost of a conversation like this, that it's incredibly helpful. But do you have any other words of advice that you'd like to leave the listeners with before we wrap up? They're actually, that's very attached to what you just brought up. This is going to speak to those who are resisting what they learned today because they think like, no, I just should decide it and do it. I know better. We all know better, but I just want to reemphasize that you've not been taught to do better. You've been taught wrong. And one of them is this consistency idea that in order to form habits, I ask women this all the time. How many days does it take to form a habit? I always hear at least one number. Everyone has a number, 21, 28, 30, 100 days of consistency. That's wrong. That actually is faulty science. And I can tell you way more about that another time. (laughs) But I want you to own this, okay? Habits still live and die by consistency. That is true. But we've been taught consistency wrong. Consistency is doing your best most of the time over time. And your best is allowed to change. As I said, I'm eight months pregnant. I have been able to maintain all of my habits, but my best has looked a whole lot different than it did in April of this year. So I'm still meditating. I'm still journaling. I'm still prioritizing my sleep, exercising, but every single one of those habits have matched what's my best right now, which is a lot different. And because of that flexibility, I've been able to be consistent. So again, I'm going to push against those of you who feel resistant to this because you think, no, I know that I just need to be consistent. Yes, you do. But consistency and flexibility are not competing ideas. They are complementary, especially for you moms. If you want consistency, then you need to have flexibility as part of it. And here's the best part of this, Diane is if you do it in these different ways, when you give yourself permission to one, look at habits differently and what they're for, design it around your life, your season, your needs, the habits that you want to work on. And then if you start with a baseline version that you can always come back to on your worst of day, the miracle of this is not only do you have the consistency you need to have the supportive habit to create the feeling that you need in your life, you can also form a habit in just a few days. Yeah. You don't need to wait for the perfect 21, 28, 30, 100 days of rigid consistency of an ideal habit to have that habit. No, it can happen within a few days. And not only will you have the support you need, again, you are going to change the way you view yourself and your own capacity and confidence to mm-hmm. continue to form other habits that stick. Absolutely. Looking back at some of the habits, quote unquote, bad habits that I have had throughout the last five years, I'm out of some of those bad habits now. And I can't remember when exactly I stopped. But what I started Mm -hmm. doing was forgiving myself if I messed up 
looking at myself in a neutral way and not Mm -hmm. in a failing way, not in a bad way. I tried to maintain not even necessarily a positive outlook, but just a neutral outlook. That wasn't in line with what you wanted, but you can start again in the next moment. And I think that tomorrow mentality is also really dangerous because one, we're not guaranteed tomorrow, but also putting Mm -hmm. things off until we feel like doing it. No, I'm going to do it right now in my next moment. I'm going to make a Whatever it is, whatever the choice is, the next time I see this person, I'm going to react with grace. The next time that I go to eat, even if I've eaten 5,000 calories today, I'm going to still eat because my body needs nourishment and I'm going to nourish it. And I'm not bad. That was just something that's in the past and I'm moving on. So for me, it was helpful to just look at my life in that way. And again, time is going to pass Mm -hmm. regardless of whether we're in line with our habits or we're not. And so I think let's make every effort to get to that goal because we have no measurement or someone watching us and saying, are they going to fail? It really is just us against ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that gives me a lot of peace too. And that's actually one of the bigger pieces that's missing. And even those bestsellers, like you brought up such great information, but they don't really teach you what to do about failure. Yeah, Habit fails are going to happen mm-hmm. and failure has to be part of the process. And that compassion piece is huge. So I love that you learned that naturally yourself. That's beautiful. Oh yeah. And I mean, it took years. I mean, it took yeah. many, many, many years of negative, horrible self-talk. Mm-hmm. And it really is just when you pull yourself out of the current moment and you just reflect on, again, it's so stupid. <laughs> because you hear these things that are so cliche, like, how would you treat your friend? If your friend was sitting here, would you treat your friend like that? Yeah. But I actually started applying that. And it's like, no, I would never talk to my friends. I love my friends. Mm-hmm. Even when they fail, I love them and I support them and I work through it with them. And so why would I not give myself that same empathy and compassion? Well, as we wrap this up, where can listeners find you or connect with you online? So go and listen to my podcast. Since you're already listening to one, just search for me at About Progress. I'm also on Instagram at About Progress too. And I have a full course on habit formation that takes what you learned today and like blows it out a lot. (laughs) And I have a whole bonus module on bad habits in particular. And the course is called the sticky habit method. It's a really affordable course and you can find it at aboutprogress.com slash sticky habit method. Perfect. Well, we have two minutes. I'm going to ask you the two quick questions that I ask every guest because I know listeners wait for this part. They love to hear more about my guests. So my first question is, what has been a beneficial resource to you that you'd like to share with the listeners? This will be kind of vague because like, I can't give you a very specific recommendation, but for me, it's just been getting outside support in terms of like counseling and therapy for my kids, especially my special needs kid. And I just want to shout out all those moms who do have those special needs kids and how hard it is to find the right professionals. And we've been down this road for years and there's nothing harder than finding the right person, but there's nothing better than finding like the right occupational therapist or mental health therapist for your kids and for yourself. Absolutely. It's hard to find people that fit those specific needs, but once you do, it's like you found gold, you've hit gold. Well, we have less than a minute to tell me what is something that you can't stop talking about. Ooh, I can't stop thinking and talking about the crown. (laughs) And alongside that, the I'm like not on either or side of the British monarchy. Like I've been loving the documentary with Harry and Meghan too. Uh And just to see like the complex nature of families and mental health and different perspectives. that people carry. Yeah. It's like that macro view of what a family is that helps me kind of understand my own family at the micro level a little bit better. So yeah. those two things, the crown and the documentary. Yeah, absolutely. It is fun to pay attention to sometimes. I'll go down rabbit holes with all of that. But anyways, For Monica, sure. this was wonderful. It was lovely to meet you. And I think that this will really resonate with the listeners. Thank I you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time. 
What did you think of the episode? If you enjoyed this conversation, I want to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you haven't done so yet. Leaving a rating and review is the best way you can help this podcast continue to succeed and grow. Again, thank you to everyone who supports The Minimalist Moms by listening, leaving those rating and reviews, or following along on social media at Minimalist Moms Podcast. As always, I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com, and there you can find links to the Instagram account, my Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.